0: Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns twenty four seven. Joined as always by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns twenty four seven, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how's your Super Bowl week?
1: Hey, Chip, it's going well. How about yours?
0: I mean, I love Super Bowl week. I yeah. used to, I used to cover this game when I covered the Cowboys in the NFL for the Dallas Morning News and i always used to joke that it was a series of concerts wrapped around a football game but i'm and we'll get to this as part of our conversation today um about the super bowl but i'm into it because of these quarterbacks
1: yeah
0: you know i'm a lions fan so i've been following matt stafford when no one else was following him like <laughs> watching all those you know passing touchdowns and fourth quarter comebacks and and then Joe Burrow, you and I saw him up close in Austin yep. in the national championship season. He third and 17. That's all you need to say to any Texas fan when it comes to Joe Burrow. And that guy has been every bit as cool as he was that night in Austin as as he has been for the Bengals this season in his first full NFL season.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you know who deserves credit for it? Oh, some credit definitely for, you know, spotting him was Tom Herman when he was at Ohio State. You know, Tom yeah. Herman really pressed Urban Meyer for Joe Burrow and, you know, Urban Meyer wasn't too fond. Well, the story goes, Urban Meyer wasn't sold on him and Tom did. And then, you know, obviously Tom did not get to coach him at Ohio State because he got the head coaching job at Houston. But, uh, oh, Tom, I mean, talk about spotting a, a talent that a lot of people weren't looking at and. I just love Joe Burroughs, his drive. You know, there was a, a a clip of him from high school that popped up um, on social media. I think it was like last yeah, week. The state
0: the state title game he yeah. lost.
1: Yes, and just seeing, like you saw the raw competitor in him and, you know, how fiercely angry he was and, and upset over losing, you know, in the state title there. And so I, I just, I love those type of competitors. And so he's an easy guy to root for too, I yeah. think to now now that he's not playing Texas, I think Texas fans could say that he's probably an easy guy to root for.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, what he did uh down 21 to 3 in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you know, lead the comeback. Now, Patrick Mahomes, your defense came up with a couple interceptions, but my goodness, um nothing rattles him, that's for sure. If the Rams get up, they need to be wary of of Joe Burrow bringing him back. So that wouldn't surprise me either in this game to see the Rams make a couple plays, maybe get up a couple of scores. And and then all of a sudden, maybe they relax a second and here comes Cincinnati. I think it's going to be a close game.
1: Yeah. Do you ever miss? I mean, I remember you used to always talk about the Super Bowl was a really cool thing for reporters to cover because you cover the game, at least back in the, I don't know if it's like this now. And then afterwards they essentially throw a media party where the media gets to watch the game back. Do you miss, you know, being able to do that type of stuff? Yeah.
0: I mean, they, everything about the super bowl is big right mm-hmm. down to what you just said. So the media finish send all your stories in. it's like one in the morning and you go to this big banquet room and they have a f- huge spread, or at least they did pre COVID of great food, you know, you know roast beef prime rib shrimp all the fixings and then they show the game again so you can actually watch it Mm -hmm. instead of having to work it and everyone stays i mean it's a really cool thing obviously they have you know refreshments there and stuff but it's it, it yeah the nfl the super bowl they do it right everyone knows radio row and all the guests that come in i mean it's just uh it's a lot of fun a lot of fun. If you can sneak into a party, great, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh th- I, that's about the only thing I miss, actually. Really? Yeah. <laughs> covering the NFL. Because I've said this before, unless you're covering a winner, NFL players do not want to see you coming. Like for right. that hour of media availability that the NFL requires in the locker room every game week for one hour, they go hide in the in the training tub. Right. And they're, they're, there's like okay we're losing there's nothing good to talk about so yeah that's why i always love covering college athletics because the every four years you get a new wide-eyed group of freshmen who are still willing to tell their story and you know have their story told
1: yeah well every year technically i mean every year right as if you get access to the freshmen. that's that i've always loved that about covering college you know there's always new and, and not just you know uh, seven draft picks or whatever it may be you know that come in every year. It's twenty five new guys that whose stories you can tell. And well, there's been some cool stories that I've at least covered, and I imagine Chip has covered some amazing ones in his uh, you know uh, century long career covering college <laughs> football. But just kidding. Thank just, you. Thank <laughs> just you. Just easy.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: appreciate
0: <laughs> that. Um, all right. So we'll we'll get back to our man Trey Hopkins in a second. But obviously the news. Uh, the football news and we had it right here at horns 24 seven is the possibility of David Cutcliffe um, the offensive coordinator to Peyton Manning at Tennessee the head coach to Eli Manning at Ole Miss Um, oh yeah and former Duke head coach um, could be hired as an analyst at Texas joining Gary Patterson and Um, Taylor, the reason I introduced him that way is because everybody knows Arch Manning, quarterback in the 2023 class, um, son of Cooper Manning, is, you know, that whole family is incredibly close to David Cutcliffe. So that uh, it's an interesting development for a lot of reasons. People will talk about, oh, well, he's an incredible quarterback's coach and offensive mind He's also sixty-seven years old and probably ready to, you know, retire at his lake house. But uh, we'll see if this comes together. Yeah, thoughts.
1: I mean, it's smart, right? If you think about it, this is, as you mentioned, I mean, this is a guy who's probably at the the latter portion of his career. I'm not necessarily sure that he's going to be looking to, you know, land a big time head coaching job or anything, you know. at at his age, maybe he will. I don't know. There's not a ton of people out there that would want to start over and start fresh as a head coach like that. You know, there's a few, maybe like the Mac Browns and Nick Sabans, but his relationship with the Mannings, I mean, this, you know, when we started hearing this, my first thought was, this is genius of Steve Sarkeesian. Absolutely genius if he can land this guy, because there's no denying that, you know, Arch Manning obviously is the the main person that pretty much any college in the country would take in the 2023 recruiting class Texas has been really doing a, a solid job at recruiting Arch Manning um you know keeping that relationship fresh and everything and this only adds the the lure I think to Arch Manning coming to Austin potentially knowing that this is a guy that um you know not only just coached his uncles you know coach Peyton Manning coach Eli Manning but developed them into all pro, you know, MVP, NFL MVP type of players, and you know, for a player that is like Arch Manning, that has his his ceiling, his skill set, his bloodlines, everything lines up to him, you know, potentially becoming that next great Manning quarterback in the NFL. Why wouldn't you want to go play for or be associated with? I should say the coach that helps your uncles become what they were and develop them from there. So this is a genius move. In my opinion, if Texas can get this secured, but what's your take on it, Chip?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, um, and I honestly, I think it, if David Cutcliffe uh, comes on board, I think it's um, to me, it's a little bit of validation that Arch Manning is interested in Texas because I think david cutcliffe also works as a sort of um you know inspector of the texas program to report back to eli and well cooper okay dad let's get Dad right. first and then uncles you know eli and and uh, peyton but you know texas needs to get it going in the right direction right otherwise david cutcliffe isn't gonna have much to report back to to the you know to the fam about uh, whether uh, Art should come or not. I, I just find it fascinating because um, you know David Cutcliffe is a firebrand. I mean he's I don't want to say he's set in his ways, but he he's a confident guy. He's not going to change for anyone. Not at sixty seven years old. Not after being a head coach for the last thirteen years at at Duke. You know he's gonna tell it like it is so i think this is fascinating
1: yeah well and if he tells it like i mean there's only so much he can tell as an analyst right it's i there's really only so much analysts really do when they are on coaching staffs i mean they assist a lot no denying that but it's not like he can be out there coaching the quarterbacks or anything along those lines um but, but he's
0: in the he's in those coaches meetings
1: he is yeah so
0: you know, he'll know if the dynamics of the staff are are good and yes. he'll be listening to their diagnosing what went right and what went wrong from week to week. And if he thinks that they're on point, he'll feel good about it. If not, he'll be like, huh, you right. know what I mean? I, yeah. I just find it interesting because I know how these things work. Um, you know, it cuts both ways, right? Hey, right. we're going to get David Cutcliffe in here. We're going to treat him great. Everything's going to be great. He's going to have nothing but good things to say to Arch. David Cutcliffe, you can't butter him up at this point. I mean, it'll be, um, a good, smooth forward progress, uh, football program while he's here and, and he'll feel good about it or he won't. So, yeah. um, but that information will be going back to uh, to the Manning compound.
1: Yeah. Well, and I do think the one thing that, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, and the staff already has a pretty solid relationship with Arch Manning and with Arch, you know, Cooper Manning and the Manning family. Um, there's a reason why Texas is in the mix with him. You know, that that's not just some coincidence or anything like that. It's not that he grew up a diehard Texas fan, and that's why they're in the mix. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian and staff have done a really good job, I think, at keeping that relationship alive and keeping him really involved in the recruiting process. I mean, we've talked before about when Quinn Ewers came around, you know, that was not a surprise, I don't believe, for the Mannings um, when he did come to Texas. And I think that, sure, obviously, some something you know, detrimental goes down inside the coaching room and meeting rooms with coaches and David Cutcliffe's there, and he may report negatively back. But I do think that it doesn't hurt from the from the side of the fact that the Mannings already have that established relationship going forward. It's not that, they're, that Texas is hoping that David Cutcliffe is going to bring the Mannings in and help them develop the relationship. That's already there. So it, it's unique. It's a unique situation. And um, if it works out, it could work out in a big way you know, I think for Texas. But as you mentioned, Chip, if if there is some sort of, um, you know, questions about the staff or uh, anything along those lines, it could hurt them. But I feel like at this point, I feel like Steve Sarkeesian is a pretty intelligent guy when it comes to his staff moves. And I can't imagine him bringing in a guy that he would think could potentially h- impact, you know, a recruitment as, as substantial as Arch Manning in a negative way. And um, I feel like if there's any question about it, this would not be even on the table right now. So I mean, yeah, maybe not maybe too much benefit of the doubt. I don't know.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, the only way it would ever be negative is if the program isn't buttoned up behind the scenes. Right. And and that's that's always saying, I mean, five and seven season, what happened? Things need to get going in the right direction, right? And mm-hmm. and that's always saying is that Cutcliffe, Cutcliffe's gonna see it. If he comes, he's gonna see whatever is happening behind the scenes. And you hope it's positive, right? Yeah. You hope the programs moving forward, this great recruiting class, Gary Patterson, all the momentum and, and that whatever gets reported back is, is great. And, you know, that's what Texas fans are hoping. They're tired of whatever this last season was and not even a bowl game. I was going to make fun of a lower bowl, but they weren't even in a bowl game. So, you know, that, that part of it just needs to get going in the right direction so that there's nothing but positives to report back to the, to the Manning compound. So uh, it's, it's going to be fun. We'll keep you posted, obviously, right over there at uh, Horns 24-7. And uh, winter workouts continue um, for the Texas football team. And all I'm going to say is um, read this week's Insider when it hits, the, uh, hits your laptop or phone um, Thursday morning for an in-depth look at a player. Uh, who very well could be in the conversation for biggest impact in the 2022 recruiting cycle. Okay. So there you go.
1: That's a good teaser, Chip. I will say that that's a good teaser. I know what he's talking about. I'm not going to give it away, but that could be a lot of different things. So,
0: yeah, and it's uh, you know, people like it when I do stories like this and so I would say if you're a fan of college football, you want to you want to read this one um all right taylor so we'll touch on the super bowl before we get to texas basketball and that huge win over kansas and what it means uh the longhorns will have a representative in the super bowl for a 17th straight year thanks to bengal's center trey hopkins Uh, if you're a member at horns 24 7 and you follow uh the brew my daily column i wrote about trey hopkins uh, and his improbable journey from undrafted free agent who got cut twice by the Bengals so that they could sign him to their practice squad after signing him to a three year contract as a rookie. He went from making like $300,000 to making barely $100,000 on the practice squad. But he stuck it out, kept getting better, kept doing all the right things. And they signed him to a one year deal, injuries happen. He gets to start at three different positions on the offensive line. His best position was center. And then they sign him to a big, nice three-year, $20 million deal um, to be the starting center for the Bengals. So Trey Hopkins. Of course, this is fascinating to me, Taylor. Half the NFL is undrafted free agents.
1: Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy to think about. I didn't know that.
0: We make such a big deal out of the draft, and obviously there are Incredible players who were taken, uh, like both these quarterbacks, number one overall, but then half the league is undrafted free agents. So Andre Hopkins, what a story. I talked to earlier about how he went up against Alex Okefer. Alex Okafer was a, you know, what third-round draft pick, mm-hmm. always had contracts, big four hundred and fifty thousand dollar signing bonus with the Arizona Cardinals and won a Super Bowl with the Chiefs a couple years ago. And because of Trey Hopkins' last contract, those two have made the same amount of money. And they were one year apart. Alex left Texas one year before Trey Hopkins. They played together for two years. Right. So um, you know, kudos to Trey Hopkins. Now, Taylor, this Super Bowl, everyone's talking about how not so great the Bengals' interior offensive line is going up against Aaron Donald, Ashawn Robinson, Von Miller. And Joe Burrow, who was sacked nine times in a playoff game against Tennessee, they still won because Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions. Um, You know, that interior line against the Rams, I mean, on paper, that matchup alone should ensure the Rams win because they should be able to make Joe Burrow uncomfortable. Thoughts?
1: I mean, I'm not going to count out Joe Burrow. I mean, look at, you know, we were talking a little bit before we started recording. Look at what happened in the Kansas City game, you know, with uh, the Bengals. I think that, you know, Joe Joe Burrow, while there's no denying that, yeah, that's an unfavorable matchup. And that would probably be an unfavorable matchup against many NFL teams yeah. out there. Not just, you know, this isn't knocking Trey Hopkins or the Bengals offensive line. I mean, it, that this is a an unfavorable matchup against pretty much any um, NFL offensive line. Yeah. However, not every NFL offensive line has a quarterback with the confidence and the coolness, I guess you would say, as Joe Burrow. I mean, you know, people talk about the the ice water in your veins type of guy, and that's kind of how Joe Burrow is. I mean, he, they, I, I think it's hilarious that his nickname is somehow Joe Cool, but that's exactly the type of demeanor he has. He's a very, I think he's a pretty humble guy, which is makes it easy, in my opinion, to root for those type of guys that are the. The humble, you know, not going to be the flashy showboats. But he wears, you know, a turtleneck, and people are like, "Oh, he's so cool." It's like, okay, well, he's a he, turtleneck.
0: Well, in the playoffs, he debuted that that JB diamond crusted yeah. necklace, and he said, "I make too much money for these to be fake." Yeah. And I think he felt weird saying it, but yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's a fascinating story. He, you know, they were what four and twelve mm-hmm. last year, and he went out with a torn acl and in his in his first full season as an nfl starter he's turned one of the true sad sack franchises in the nfl because the brown family won't spend money Mm -hmm. and now they did spend a little bit in free agency and it really improved their defensive line starting with dj reader from the houston texans um he's a star and why the texans didn't resign their own draft pick they drafted him in like the fifth or sixth round it's ridiculous but teams won't spend money and so the Bengals have this reputation as being cheap and and they you know mistreat their incredibly loyal fan base because they don't go you know spending money to bring in all kinds of free agents well you spend a little bit on free agency on defense and then boom you bring in Joe Burrow and he and Zach Taylor, the coach, who I'll give him credit. Last year he kept saying we're gonna be a playoff team, we're we're gonna turn this whole thing around. And people were like, You might get fired, you know. (laughs) And here he is, he looks like a prophet. I mean, he said it just as maybe he was spending more time with Joe Burrow and his rehab and getting to know him and could see it coming. But yeah, Joe Burrow special. Let's see how special.
1: For sure, and we can't forget. I know that he's not currently playing, but Joseph Osai is also on the Bengals. He's been out all year with a was a knee injury. Yeah, IR. Yeah, so but he is still a part of the Bengals roster. So, um, you know, if you're a Texas fan, I think that there's there's at least two players you can root for in this. uh,
0: And I'll I'll say Osai, that was a great draft pick. Oh yeah, that was a great draft pick because the guy will do everything on special teams. He'll he'll develop into a top. NFL linebacker and and you know if he's watching Von Miller he'll learn how to use that long arm rush and lean and just blow by people but uh
1: and Joseph is a very special player like I mean I there's you're not it's gonna be a cold day in hell before you hear me say anything negative about Joe Joseph Osai, the the football player you know he yeah uh, just, you know, great, great kid, great story. Honestly, the fact that, you know, he didn't grow up playing football, um, you know, comes from Africa to United States. I mean, just everything about him. Like I I just really, really always respected Joseph Osai and just his quiet uh, kind of approach to everything, but he was such a monster. I mean, you'll never question if he is giving his all, you'll never question if he is all in, or, you know, maybe has like, 50, 50, no way. Like when that kid hits the field, he's going to play 110% every play And Texas fans did see that, you know, especially um, in his junior season before he went to the NFL. But um, I hope for, for his sake and Trey Hopkins sake too, that the Bengals can pull this out chip because shoot, let's, let's, I I admitted last week, I forgot that Trey Hopkins, I don't, I don't watch a ton of NFL. I'm going to preface it with that. Just, you know, in football season, College football takes our take over our lives basically, and me and Chip a lot of times record podcasts on Sunday, and it's just just not a lot of time to watch it. But I forgot that Trey Hawkins was on an NFL roster, let alone going to be on a Super Bowl roster. So, um you know, I feel like Way I to need go, it. Trey. I'm sorry.
0: Way to go, Trey.
1: Yes, exactly, Trey. We're gonna root for you because I forgot about you, and I apologize for that.
0: <laughs> Number 66, and you can't miss him because his hair is down to like his. You know middle back yeah um
1: different than he did when he was at texas
0: yeah (laughs) so here's a little nugget i picked up um cameron dicker who was at the senior bowl uh last week um if he doesn't get drafted keep an eye on the cowboys oh just saying all right um so uh texas basketball taylor um, I was there Monday night for this game against Kansas and it felt like the dam was about to break over and over and over again, especially when they're down by four with a minute left and you're going, "Uh Oh, and then, you know, you get the uh, Trey Mitchell banked in three and you're like, "Uh Oh, okay. Maybe there's a miracle about to happen. And then, Uh, Kansas kind of fumbles a ball on the other end, and then they leave Timmy Allen wide open at the free throw line. Marcus Carr's driving towards the basket, sees Timmy, just dishes it to him, wide open shot from the free throw line to put Texas up one. Um, And then Marcus Carr drains a couple of free throws. Ball game. I mean... Down four with a minute left against Kansas. Texas finishes the game on a 7-0 run. And they get their first signature win of the season. First signature win under Chris Beard. And it could not have come at a better time at home. And, And now we'll see if this is sort of the validation that this team has needed to totally give in to their coaches and do whatever the coaches want. And and maybe elevate heading into March.
1: Yeah. And we talked Chip last week on the flagship podcast about, you know, Texas had the Saturday game against Iowa state and then follow it up with Monday against Kansas. And, you know, our love it or leave it question. I forget exactly how we worded it, but essentially that this, those were make or break type of games and Texas needed to win at least one of them. And the fact that they won both to me, Chip, that, that could be, the turning point, as you're kind of pointing to, I mean, it may be too soon to say that we'll obviously know a little bit more this weekend with Texas, you know, heads to wake go to face uh, number 10 ranked Baylor. But still, there is no denying that Texas absolutely needed some positive momentum moving in their in their favor. They got that against Iowa State at home um, last weekend and then they added to it against Kansas and you know with any sport as you you want to see week to week improvement you want to see game to game improvement and i think that the fact that texas was down by 4 with 1 minute left as you had mentioned and was able to come crawl out of that not just against any team but you know the a top 10 ranked team in kansas you know i mean that they're uh what the highest ranked team in the big 12 i believe right now so the fact that they were able, able to take down them when especially at this time of year and on this time of the schedule where we are sitting there questioning, you know, is Texas going to be a bubble team come March? And, you know, uh, this was a huge momentum booster, I think. And um, it's going to be intriguing to see how they use it to their, hopefully you would hope at least if you're a Texas fan, use it to their advantage, you know, moving uh, through the month of February, because it's going to be a tough month for Texas basketball. There's still a lot of games on the schedule and a lot of tough, you know, um, tough opponents that they're going to have to face but well yeah and how about
0: chris beard doubling down on texas being a final four team you know final four contender in the post-game press conference after beating kansas chris beard would not have said that a week ago 10 days ago but after that win he says you know i still think we're a, a final four type team even though some outside our circle don't think that way. Yeah. And don't
1: say that if they don't believe it.
0: Right. Not at the end
1: year, especially. No chance.
0: Right. Not so, that
1: from March, no way. You know. <laughs>
0: right. You can either be speaking it into existence and hoping your players hear it, start to believe it, or that's the kind of confidence you're building in your team behind the scenes. Now, I gotta say, um, and I wrote about this in the brew about Christian Bishop, who's just been phenomenal, six seven, you know, wiry. He's not a He's not going to blow you away with his uh, size and strength. He's he's a wiry, athletic, good bounce, um, you know, basketball player who's been averaging 17 minutes a game. The last three games, including that loss to Tech, he was one of the few Longhorns who was ready from the beginning, was aggressive, going into the into the hole and bringing it, going to the free throw line he has averaged five offensive rebounds per game. People want to know how Texas beat Kansas when Kansas shot 58% and the game was played in the 70s where Kansas, the highest scoring team in the Big 12, wants it. Everyone would think, oh, Texas, if they can't keep this in the 60s, they're not going to win. Here's how they won it. With 19 more shot attempts than Kansas, and they came because of extra effort, hustle plays, offensive rebounds, by guys like Christian Bishop and he's doing it so frequently. You know, we talk about Brock Cunningham being that energy guy off the bench. Christian Bishop does it all the time as a starter and it's, he doesn't score much, but right. he creates possessions for other guys to score. That's why I'm like, why how can you take him off the floor? I, I get that you're going to substitute and you're going to mix and match, go four guard lineup, three guard lineup. But the one guy who never comes off pretty much is Timmy Allen. And now Christian Bishop needs to be added to that list. And Marcus Carr is obviously the point guard, but that's how valuable Christian Bishop has been the last three games. And to me, he's how you're going to beat bigger teams. He's athletic and smart enough to kind of wily coyote his way to the ball against bigger guys. I just, I'm so impressed. And I think you're watching a player peak right now that your team needs to take on his personality and, and go.
1: Yeah. You need those kind of the, the grunt work type of guys, you know, the ones that aren't going to be the, the top of the points list, you know, but Dennis Rodman types, exactly. The Dennis Rodman types of guy for sure. I mean, and he had, I believe seven offensive rebounds against um, Kansas 10 total that, that, you you need that you especially when you have a team like texas that obviously i think defense is the identity of the team but scoring and shooting and a lot of that has been up and down and if you have that consistent type of guy that's going to continue to keep the ball in the offense's hands and distribute it to guys that are going to take the shots and make it i mean that that only helps i always love those type of players um you know i i i, gr- I loved watching the bulls when dennis rodman and scotty pippen and michael jordan were there growing up that was I just absolutely loved it and I, I my favorite player a lot of time Michael Jordan was my favorite player. He's my first crush ever too. But my my second favorite player was Dennis Rodman cuz it's like you just need those guys that are going to do the dirty work for you and that's what I think you're seeing with Christian uh, Bishop, Chip and I'm I am really curious um were you on the court when the fans rushed the court after the Kansas game? Did you go down there? No.
0: So yeah, I was still in my media seat which is like right behind the students in the mezzanine we used to sit on the floor, but now we're just in the end zone, which is like the worst view of a basketball game. But um, yeah, it was, it was a scene. I mean, the students came pouring onto the floor and there's a, there's a great energy, uh, obviously Kansas. So the, the building was you know, full or near full um, but he is building that relationship with the students. And I wrote about this Um, In the brew this week, when the new Moody Center opens, the students are going to surround the court. The first 10 rows are going to be students. And then there's going to be like an elevated walkway uh, before you get to the next row. And that elevation is going to allow the students to stand the whole game and not disrupt, you know, the old blue hairs behind them who want to, you know, wine
1: and cheese crowd, (laughs) wine
0: and cheese crowd. So. Fear not, Texas fans. Chris Beard um is going to get his students right on top of the court, create that atmosphere. Uh I also wrote about the fact that there are no fans in their seats when the football team comes out because yeah. they're all down in that tunnel lounge. I mean, of course you're going to want to be right next to the team when they're coming out of the tunnel. Right. Cuz that whole thing is like the Cowboys' You know where the fans can sit there in the Miller Light Lounge and watch the team come out for the game and tell their friends and shoot it on Instagram. So you Del Conte
1: stuff, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean Del Conte took full blame. He said Drew Martin told me this would happen, and I just didn't see it. And it's here now. He's like, please, uh, people in those club seats, be in your seats when the the team comes out. We need your energy there, not down by the tunnel. Good luck.
1: Yeah. I mean, but, but it looks
0: terrible, Taylor. Yeah.
1: The optics of it looks, looks bad. And especially with last season, you know, Texas had a lot of afternoon games where it's blazing hot. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's Austin, Texas. This isn't Southern California where you have a, you know, three o'clock kickoff and it's beautiful weather. This is three o'clock kickoff. You've been sweating through your clothes for the last six hours. If you've been there, you know, and so I don't blame them for wanting to get shade. Uh, part of me wonders though, Chip, is. I mean, I don't know how this would work because it would have to be a capacity situation. Um, They couldn't, you know, obviously go over capacity for fire, you know, reasons or whatnot. But I almost wonder if there's a way that they could kind of be like, you can either choose to be in the club lounge or you can choose to be in your seats. But if you're not going to go to your seats, we're going to give those seats to somebody else. Almost like a free-for-all. It's like you, and I I know you probably can't do that. And, you know, but they have to find some solution there because we the view the optics of it surrounding it looks bad it looks like nobody's there even though they all are there that's i mean uh, they're gonna
0: have to they're gonna have to. they know who sits in those seats they're gonna have to reach out to them personally and they're probably gonna have to incentivize them to be in their seats and not down in that tunnel lounge
1: how much are those like the donor do you know what the amount of donation (laughs) for those seats are because with any season ticket holder at least at texas you have to donate a portion. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's more than
0: just the normal season ticket. I know that it's, it's not like anywhere close to sweet, um, membership, but it's, it's a little more than what the season tickets, uh, season ticket holders are having to pay in terms of their, you know, contribution to maintain their, their season tickets. So maybe, maybe that's
1: how you leverage it. Be like, Hey, we we notice you're not in your seats. If you want to keep your seats, you're going to have to pay a little bit more <laughs> or something. I mean, you know, it. either get in the seat or you're going to pay more of donation. I don't know how that works.
0: Yeah, well,
1: this is why I do not would never. I, I think Crystal Conte does a fantastic job as, as an athletic director, but I do not envy him for his job. I remember last, I think it was, I think it was last football. Yeah, it would have been last football season. Um, I, Chip, I think you were there about talking to Jeff Howe before and I was looking on Twitter and Chris Del Conte, you know, pregame was like at least an hour before kickoff was tweeting, you know, answering questions from fans. And I like nudged Jeff Howe and I was like, okay, so we know what Chris Del Conte makes. And I'm looking at his Twitter right now. If you had the opportunity to switch jobs with him, would you? And he was like, hell no. (laughs) I was like, me neither. It's like, it sounds great to make a million dollars a year, but oh my gosh, like the amount of pressure and everything that athletic directors have to do. It's one of those where you're like. Two million. Oh, 2 million. Yeah. He may, he may, he got a
0: raise cause USC tried to hire him twice.
1: Oh yeah. He probably, I think is worth more than that. <laughs> <But> <laughs> he makes that money to answer these questions. So they're going to have the, to definitely answer that. Hopefully they learn their lesson. There won't be a situation like that with the Moody center or anything like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there's your good news, bad news facilities update. Good news. Students are going to be around the basketball court in the Moody center. Bad news is how do we get those fans Back to their seats when the football team comes out of the tunnel. Um, All right. The UT women's basketball team is in a three game losing streak as we record this. And their next two games um, are against teams who beat them earlier in the year, including uh, Texas Tech, who's got a losing record, both overall and in conference, and came into Austin and thumped Texas 74 61. One of the worst games the team. Uh, it played and look, the young nature of Vic's team, they're going to play up and down to the competition. So they see tech with a bad record, but it's tech tech hates Texas. You got to know that history. And then they play OU and this, this is very reminiscent of the Tennessee game where they had it won and let it get away. I mean, even the Baylor game last Sunday, they were up, Texas was up, um, you know, five at halftime, played great in that second quarter, and then just acted like the game was over at halftime. But um, so it's a young team. They're playing really well, but they got to answer this week big time because you're in a three-game losing streak. You lost to OU at OU. It's forgivable, but not really because you probably should have won that game. And then you lost twice to Baylor in three days. That's a veteran team Kim Mulkey built. Baylor's the team to beat. Everyone picked Baylor in the conference. That's, you're forgiven. You gotta win against Tech and you gotta win the home game against OU and right. get back on track and then uh, take this thing forward. All right, Taylor, you ready for some love it or leave it?
1: I Unless am, you had some. No, thought. I mean, I was gonna, I, I wanted to get your take on Vic Schaefer's comments um, after uh the Baylor game, he kind of ripped, you know, I saw a lot of media members that were at there, you know, Vic Schaefer kind of ripped some of his players saying that, you know, the the veterans um players are not doing what they're coached to be doing. And then he took, you know, the blame on himself too. Um, I think it kind of rubs some people the wrong way. What was your take on his yeah post-game?
0: He was hot. And really he was he was singling out one senior. Uh, there's only three seniors, and he loves. Joanne Allen Taylor and Audrey Warren, who are his, you know, senior leaders and do everything right. And he was singling out Lauren Ebo, the six foot four uh, center who, you know, got beat down the floor, turned down, turned the ball over a couple of times at a crucial point in the fourth quarter. And he said, you know, she's still trying to do it her way and, and not my way. Well, her, her way ain't working. I mean, he was hot and, um, it stings, but he's got to be careful. You always have to manage your emotion level with your players. It can't mean more to the coach than it does to the players cuz that's when it the disconnect starts to happen. It becomes more about you know, the coach sometimes than right. about the player. Now, everything Vic says and does is right. Now, to meet those demands, especially as a young basketball team with seven newcomers but he said I'm not gonna change the way I coach I'm gonna coach this group even though they're young and inexperienced as hard as I coach the teams that I took to the national championship game as long as he's up front about it the players are are being told and he's you know he he says all the time I'm not for everyone but I'm for the people who want to be great yeah So I love Vic. I hope he's not burning too hot. We'll find out, obviously, because um, this team looks like a young team at times.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So, all right. um, You ready for some love it or leave it?
1: I am. Before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a really short break, but stay tuned because uh, more football and basketball talk continues here on love it or leave it. So stay tuned. We will be right back.
0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Chip, you ready for some love it or leave
0: it? You know what, Taylor? I totally blew it. I meant to say one thing about the UT baseball alumni game last Saturday. Dylan Campbell. Whoa. I mean, he batted 189 last year and, you know, he started 12 games and can play anywhere. Um, but four for five with a three run home run playing for the, uh, alumni team because he's a backup against the varsity, which are the starters. And he goes four of five. I mean, he ripped Pete Hansen, He ripped Tristan Stevens. And now granted he'll, he probably sees those guys a lot in practice, but four of five, three run Homer. Um, and he's a guy who's competing for the DH, uh, position. And I'm told he worked with Troy Tulowitzki on his hitting in the off season. And if that's any indication, oh boy, uh, you're looking for who's going to replace Zach Zubia's offense and Mike Antico's offense and Cam Williams offense. I mean, if it's Dylan Campbell, that would be outstanding because everyone was talking about how short, compact and simple his swing is now. And it's like, oh man, he, he might've figured something out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm, now I'm ready for...
1: Okay. Well, also, speaking of baseball, real quick, if you missed the flagship interview podcast this week, definitely tune in. We had uh, Ty Harrington, the 20-year head coach, uh, a baseball coach, excuse me, at Texas State and a former Texas Longhorn. He did a fantastic preview of Texas baseball, which is the preseason number one team leading into the season, which starts on February 18th against Rice. So if you're a baseball fan, definitely tune into that. He gives a really great... Um, in-depth breakdown of, you know, what he likes about this team, what he sees this team becoming and, you know, his thoughts on David Pierce and what he's been able to do at Texas baseball. So definitely worth the listen if you have not tuned into
0: that. Great plug. Yes. Great you plug did a great right interview there. there so,
1: um, all right. With that, let's get to love it or leave it, Chip. My first one for you is love it or leave it. The possible hire of David Cutcliffe would be a home run hire for Steve Sarkeesian.
0: Man, it sure sure looks like it. Um, I'm going to love this. As I said, I mean, I think it's if David Cutcliffe comes on as an analyst at Texas, I think it's a small indication that Arch Manning is interested in Texas. I don't think David Cutcliffe would go to a school where Arch Manning might not. You know, I don't know. I could be dead wrong, but I just get the feeling that that's a little indication that Arch Manning is um, maybe interested in Texas. Uh, Like I said, it could be clueless. But I do think that, um, you know, as long as the program stays on the momentum track it's been on since going five and seven and seemingly winning every, you know, headline since then, uh, then I think it's a, it's a great thing. Because like I said, whatever's going on here behind the scenes is going right back to the Manning compound because that's how close David Cutcliffe is to the Manning family so um I'm gonna I'm gonna love this right now Taylor how about you
1: yeah I mean I I'm gonna love it and you know when you're saying you think it's a sign that Arch Manning is in you know Texas is in it you know Arch Manning did recently um eliminate Clemson from his list Texas is still in there with um Georgia, Alabama, and Ole Miss, but Texas is definitely in the mix here. And I I do think that, you know, if if this, if David Cutcliffe does come to Texas, it it only helps, at least in the instant, you know, immediate future, <laughs> only helps Texas um and you know, further chances with Arch Manning. Uh, I do think that the Longhorns those still are in the mix. If you uh miss the stampede this week, Mike Roach did a really good 2023 Uh, primer and position breakdown of some of the key targets. And obviously it's no secret that Texas is all in on arch manning. I mean, they're not recruiting really any other quarterbacks right now in the 2023 class. Um, So I think that's a sign that they do feel pretty confident right now um, in where they stand at this moment. So, you know, I think adding David Cutcliffe could be the something that could help Texas seal the deal in the long run. If it does pan out that way, Um, there's no reason for me to think if, David Clutcliffe does come to Texas that it won't pan out that way right now. So I think I'm gonna to have to say that I I love it. And I think that this could be, you know, a difference maker type of um analyst hiring, I will say, for for Steve Sarkeesian. And and look, Chip, he he learned from the best. He learned from the coach that essentially became the former fired head coaches factory at Alabama and Nick Saban. I mean, my goodness, Steve Sarkeesian himself, Kyle Flood himself were those coaches that came in to, you know, coach for uh, or as analyst for Saban, then end, ended up getting the you know on on field coaching positions. But yeah, I think that that Steve Sarkeesian, I think he's talked a lot about the the coaches he's learned from, you know, with especially Pete Carroll and and uh, Nick Saban. And I feel like this is kind of a vision of what he's he's trying to build at Texas. Essentially, is what Nick Saban has done at Alabama and and luring in you know elite former head coaches that may have been fired or or even, you know, whatever, maybe position coaches too. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's still kind of fresh and young right now in Steve Sarkeesian, but I think this is a good sign for where, I think it's maybe a good um, indication of where Steve Sarkeesian really wants to build that analyst program too, not just from, you know, the Arch Manning perspective, but, you know, with him adding Gary Patterson to the mix and then, you know, potentially David Cutcliffe, I think that's a a good sign for the future. And I think it's a good sign that Steve Sarkisian probably took some of the, um, you know, key aspects of Nick Saban as a head coach that are more behind the scenes and is trying to bring it to Texas. And if he can do that successfully, then not saying Texas is going to turn into Alabama or Nick Saban or anything along those lines. But, you know, I think that's a good indication of where his head is and what he is, his vision is for the football, you know, staff, even if it's not coaching staff. So yeah, I'm going to have to love this one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting here thinking about, you bring up Tel Conte, I'm thinking about the guy he replaced, Steve Patterson, and how Patterson wouldn't even approve the football team getting a new sports coat, um, shirt and tie and pants every year that they should only get one.
1: Didn't Charlie pay for those? Yeah,
0: Charlie ended up paying. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, he's like, uh, these guys' bodies are changing, uh, from year to year. Yeah. Anyway, to now see the money being spent on this program, it's, that's where Texas should be. And, and then heck their fans are going to kick in a whole bunch more on these NIL initiatives, including the, the latest, um, you know, the, um, uh, left field, uh, foundation oh, occupy
1: left field foundation. Yeah,
0: occupy left left field um foundation which is going to be a 501c3 that relies on fans contributing you know 20 bucks a month to help every baseball player on that roster get ten thousand dollars for making charitable appearances so um you know texas fans are stepping up yeah um, pancake factory the uh clarkfield collective the Burn program, Taylor, just to name four.
1: <laughs>
0: and I think more are coming. All right. Um, love it or leave it, number two.
1: All right. Love it or leave it. The Texas basketball team cleared a mental hurdle in beating Kansas, and now we will start peaking.
0: I hope so. As long as they play Christian Bishop some more minutes while he's grabbing every offensive rebound for crying out loud. I don't know how Chris Beard takes him off the floor. No, I'm kidding. Um, I think, I think there's a chance because I saw, and it's look, it's night to night. uh, But the best lineup on the floor from my end zone seat in the media seating at the Irwin Center Tuesday night, the best lineup on the floor was Marcus Carr, Courtney Ramey, Andrew Jones, Christian Bishop, and Timmy Allen. Those guys move without the ball and the offense flows. Now it's a smaller lineup. It's that, you know, hybrid lineup where if the other team has a six ten big man like kansas did sometimes it's better to play a wiry 6-7 guy who can wiley coyote it out of his hands when he brings the ball down and i just saw magic with that group now i get it sometimes you're gonna take andrew jones out you're gonna put trey mitchell in i'm fine with that as long as trey mitchell is working in the paint i don't need him shooting any more threes even though he banked in that three with 55 seconds left to save UT's bacon. He banked in a three. Let me repeat that. He was over over five from three prior to that. And down low, he was unstoppable. He, he went to the free throw line and made eight of eight free throws because he was down low doing the dirty work. Great post moves. Kid has great offensive post moves. So I get it. There are going to be times you take Andrew Jones out, put Trey Mitchell in, but man, man, you know, Dylan DeZue, it's not happening. I, I understand you got to get him some minutes, but I'm just saying.
1: Play your best players. A good coach. your best players now.
0: Yeah. Now it's, you know, we're kind of getting the roster down to the guys who are going to show up in the final four minutes of a close game or in this past case, the final minute of a close game when Texas was down four and went on a 7-0 run to beat Kansas and Courtney Ramey, big shout out to Courtney Ramey for face guarding um Ochai Abaji who's probably going to be the Big 12 player of the year. Face guarding him, held him to 11 points. Kid averages 20.8 a game. It was awesome what Courtney Ramey did. He sacrificed everything to face guard that kid for 40 minutes. Uh 38 minutes, excuse me. That's that's how long Ramey was in the game face guarding Abaji, but uh, that was huge. So I'm going to love this. Taylor, how about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to love it from the from the stance of, as you kind of mentioned, you would hope that's the case. I mean, you don't want to see this team, you know, um, because Iowa State, they were ranked too, right? When they played, I think. Yeah, they
0: were a falling ranked team.
1: Yeah. But to to rebound, though, from that loss against Texas Tech, I mean, you know what, a 13-point loss on the road. That can be a um, confidence killer, especially for a team that is still kind of trying to find its way. And so I feel like the fact that Texas was able to respond and get the win against Iowa State, regardless of what has been going on with Iowa State, I still think that was, a you know, substantial. I mean, they won by, what was it, 20, 22 points, was it, the, that one? I mean, they held them to 41 points. That's That's a pretty dominant win right there but then to follow it up and and take down number eight kansas you you all all signs in my opinion should indicate that this is the point where texas is climbing back up not you know staying middle of the pack or or uh, declining or anything i feel like this should be a confidence boost should be a a you know Back-to-back wins that should tell the team, "Hey, we are good enough to compete with some of the best teams in the country." Especially with you know Kansas being down, as you mentioned, um, you know down by four in the last minute, still coming out with the win. There, that's huge, and I think you shouldn't understate that in any way, shape, or form. So, you hope <laughs> that this is the case. So, I'm going to go from the side of hope and say that I I love this, um, but you know there is a part of me that wonders. I'm a kind of, you know, let, let's see what happens. And I think that probably has to do with just the fact of way that Texas basketball has gone for, you know, the last several years, (laughs) like, you know, it's, you kind of, it's hard to erase some of the,
0: how do you win the big 12 tournament last season and turn around and lose to 14th seeded Abilene Christian?
1: Exactly. And and so, yeah, those are hard memories to shake. Um, so, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be positive and say that, yes, I'm going to love this, say that, they cleared that mental hur- hurdle but it doesn't end there they've got it they got to continue it um especially with some you know pretty heavy hitters still left on the schedule with baylor this weekend um, you well, know, and that
0: gonna- that baylor game on saturday is all it's going to be all about whether lj cry or their leading scorer, plays or not right. i mean he's been out two weeks with this foot injury ailment um and it's caused baylor to really become a more inconsistent team i get it i mean lj crier leading scorer on the defending national championship team you lose him you know that's that's a, a big deal we'll see there was talk of him playing wednesday night against k-state so we'll see how he's feeling on on saturday yeah all right uh love it or leave it numero trace my that's final word? three for you what? Gringos out there oh <laughs>
1: My final love it or leave it for you is, no matter how dramatic the Texas Athletic Department gets, Auburn will always be more dramatic, love it or leave it.
0: Thank God. Thank God Texas has Auburn. I mean-
1: Thank you. I mean, literally. (laughs) Keep some sanity. Oh my
0: gosh. (laughs) When people talk about the power brokers at a school getting involved, Auburn makes Texas look like a bunch of kittens. Um, Auburn's power brokers are the most impulsive, um, impatient, tempestuous I've ever seen. And right down to, you know, firing gene Chizik two years after winning a national championship for you. And you're constantly on this odyssey and now Brian Harson, okay. Let's say he was involved with a, a PR staffer at the school. Uh, that happens everywhere, folks. It's when you want it to become an issue that you drag it out and use it to fire a guy. So now you've you've sort of put yourself on a bullet train to getting rid of Brian Harson. Coaches don't want to coach there now because they don't know what his future is. I mean, it's it's a mess. So... Yeah, I'm going to love this. Auburn is always going to be my member. I don't think, to my knowledge, Texas has not done this. Um, But Auburn once um, uh, got on a plane to go hire another coach while they had a coach. And um, that was Tommy Tuberville, who ended up going undefeated. I mean, it's... Uh, it's unbelievable. And the guy they were going for was Bobby Petrino who's like the biggest snake ever. So, anyway. Oh gosh. I'm going to love this Auburn. You always will uh make Texas look like a little little basket of kittens. <laughs> Taylor, love it or leave it.
1: I I mean, yeah, I think I think you got to love it cuz you're right. I mean, there's there's unfortunately um, a lot of times at a lot of different schools. It's not just Auburn, it's not, I'm not gonna say anything about Texas or anything like that, but those type of relationships have been going on. I mean, they do. And um it, I mean, look at the divorce rate of college coaches. I mean, shoot, I, I always feel bad for coaches' wives because you know, they're never around. They're never around. It's not like the NFL where they have essentially an off-season, they have what, maybe three weeks out of the year that college coaches actually get off from working because they have recruiting, they have camps, they have all of that type of stuff. So it is a lot more common than I think the general fan realizes. And it's unfortunate to say that, like I, I you know, and, and I don't, I don't know all the details about what, what's gone down there. Um, I don't know how much are rumors. I don't know how much are, um, there are kids involved. Yeah. There there's families involved. There's children involved in, uh, you know airing dirty laundry is never a good thing for, especially if it's coming from um you know people that support the university just to try to get a coach fired i mean come on that's that's absolutely childish that's absolutely ridiculous and You know, people that do that, I kind of want to be like, let's let's turn the camera around on you. Like, you're so quick to do this. Let's see what y'all have been doing here. Because let's be honest, not like the Auburn athletic department has been um, spotless. (laughs) Like, I mean, my goodness, they've Cam Newton. Shoot, the quarterback that led them to a national championship, he was cheating the whole time. So you guys and and they they. But he didn't
0: know that his dad took 180,000 from. um, Okay. Whatever.
1: Yeah. I'm so sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, he took so, the money. I just his didn't his know about day. it. That was
1: all his dad. No, like, and okay. that that's a that's a perfect sign. It's like, oh, they found the scapegoat, so that they don't have to, you know, they could hair, you know, highlight Cam Newton and, you know, make him. And he obviously was amazing at Auburn. Don't get me wrong. Well, and it's like it
0: the Lindsay Lohan defense, <laughs> yeah. right? She gets pulled over. They find cocaine in her pants. She's like, they're not my pants. Yeah. <laughs> I borrowed them from a friend.
1: Right. Yeah. So yes, I'll. I'm gonna love it and say, Texas fans, you've got they've got you beat, and that's a good thing. So let's let's not get to that level because there's some things I think that you and I have known go down behind the scenes that I don't think many Texas fans would be too thrilled to hear. Uh,
0: that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, um, <laughs> interesting week here on the flagship podcast, yeah. and next week we'll be, um, you know, who knows what fresh developments we'll be talking about. We'll certainly have a Super Bowl to recap. Um, so thanks, everybody. And as Taylor said, get over to the flagship podcast interview and listen uh, to Ty Harrington, who is awesome. He's He's got a great voice. I'm like, you need to be doing every college baseball broadcast. Seriously. I mean, he's just a machine. He knows so much, and he breaks it down in a, in a great way. So check that out. Texas baseball's preseason number one, as Taylor said. They open the season on February 18th. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. As always, for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Until next time, stay safe and keep the faith. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!